All right. Good morning, New Covenant. Did you guys enjoy worship so far? Yeah? Did you guys enjoy worship so far? Did they hear me? That was great stuff, man. That's everybody. Before we get started, let's say hi to our North Campus. And everybody's watching us online. Welcome. Sunday morning. New Covenant coming together. Isn't it good to come together? Just no substitute for this. There's no substitute for assembling together in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So I get to preach this morning. I'm Chuck Warnock. Pastor Stephen's been doing a really amazing job. Is he not in this series? Really good stuff. I've enjoyed it. I've always said to people, when you, here's how you find the church you're supposed to go to. Uh, is God there? <laughs> is the presence of God there? And do you get fed when you go there? And uh, boy, we get fed, and so I'm thankful. So it's my joy to step in on this. We are in a series called How to Get Through a Bad Day. Sounds like a negative statement, but it's, uh, we're going through the seven last sayings of Jesus leading up to the seven weeks leading up to Easter. And uh, we want to get, we use Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 to kind of explain why we're looking to him. Because the Bible says to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. We're told to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so he is not just our savior, he is our model. And when we look at these seven statements of Jesus on the cross, we find that he, he was not just fully God, he was fully man. And he fully embraced humanity. And so he is our example. And here's the saying we want to look at today. And if you want to turn with me, if you can. If not, you can look at it on the screen. In Matthew 27, 46... We read this, uh, at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Now, I don't know if you ever think of Jesus speaking with a loud voice. You know, you watch these movies of Jesus, and he's got this little soft undertone all the time. But there are several places where we see Jesus crying out, and this is one of them. He cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Now, what is that? That's Aramaic, and I've done a lot of research on this phrase, and what this phrase means is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a joke. That wasn't my research. It's right there in the scripture. So, this is what, I, I got some work on my hands today. I can tell. You, some of you just didn't get enough coffee. Yeah, it's cool. We got more coffee. So, anyway. So Jesus, this is, obviously he's suffering, and he's talking about being forsaken. What does it mean? What does forsaken mean? I want to talk about that for a minute. What does it mean to feel or to be forsaken? And I, I want to say, first of all, you know, there's this, where are you, God? There's this skepticism coming up, and it feels weird to come up from Jesus, right? Uh, but he's, he's experiencing what we experience sometimes, this, where is God? And I want to say, first of all, there's two different kinds of skepticism. There's the generic kind of skepticism that is like, how do we know the Bible's word of God? If there's a real God, why is there pain in the world? And, you know, stuff like that. And And it tends to be that kind of, I've dealt with a lot of that because I did a lot of work with college students uh, over the years. And that tends to be uh, people who, who don't know God say those kind of statements. Like, I can't believe in a God that would send people to hell. Or, you know, those kind of statements, that kind of general doubt statements. I have found over, the time, over time, 
those kind of things hit people who don't know the Lord. And I'll explain that in a minute, why that's the case. So I did a, I did a phrase search in the Bible, forsaken me, forsaken me. Why have you forsaken me? And I did a phrase search on that, looking to see other people who had said that to God. Like, how common was that in the Bible? Here's what I found. Surprisingly, most of the times I see that in the Bible, it's God saying it to man. Why have you forsaken me? Here's an example. And Jeremiah says, I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickednesses, all their wickedness, because they have forsaken me, burned an incense to other gods, and worshiped the works of their own hands. We can certainly be guilty of that, can't we not? So, over the years, I've seen people say, when a calamity happens, why did God let this happen? And yet these people have no relationship with God. They don't go to church. They don't seek Him. They don't pray. They don't search the Scriptures. They're not in biblical community. And yet, when something bad happens, that's all of a sudden, they're, in, they're indignant at God, or how could God let this happen? So that's kind of the first garden variety general skepticism that we see. People who are distant from God, perhaps don't know Him, very little history with God, and yet they want to, why is this happening? They, they want that, and I can understand that skepticism, but that is not what is being talked about here. What is being referred to here is somebody who has a relationship with God. They have a history with God. They know the Lord. There's, there's a deep sense of communion and, 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 and love between them, and yet something's happened. Notice he says, my God, my God. And I want you to hear the, the pain of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because we have a history. We have a relationship. And so when we look at this subject, I, I want to just break it down. And I found that, that people ask this question of God, their God, when one of two things is happening, okay? The first one is circumstances, calamities, all right? So, so this sense of being forsaken can manifest. You, you can feel forsaken with, 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 with calamities or tragedies, a sudden unexpected loss, you know, a bad medical diagnosis, uh, a failure of a business or a marriage. Everything just all of a sudden went south and... Where, where are you, God? What happened here? That's, it's circumstantial, okay? The second is different, and it's internal. The first is external. The second is internal, and that is a, a, a sense of, of loss, a withdrawal of God's presence. So we want to look at those two for just a minute. Let's look at the first one, the, the calamity. It's not unreasonable. If you're a Christian, if you have a relationship with God, I'm, again, I'm not talking about you haven't given God the time of day and all of a sudden things don't go your way and you're upset at God. I'm not talking about that kind of person. I'm talking about a person who has given their heart to the Lord and is following the Lord and all of a sudden you get body slammed. Where'd that come from? It's not unreasonable to ask that because being a Christian means that you're in covenant with God. It's like you're his child. He's your dad, right? He's, he's looking out for you and yet it, at first glance... It doesn't look like that just happened. Um, what I want to say to you about that first, though, 
is there's something called a first report and a second report. And let me give you what I mean by that. In Isaiah 53.1, I love this. Isaiah the prophet said, Who has believed? This is God speaking. Who has believed our report? Who has believed our, what we as the Godhead are saying to you about life? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And I, I want to say that those two questions are related. In other words, the people that will see the arm of the Lord, the strength of God extended to them and revealed to them are the people who decide to believe God's report. What God said about the issue. So the first report is not always the last report. The first report could be a bad diagnosis. It could be a failure of a business. The failure of a marriage. The failure of whatever. But that doesn't mean the story is over. That, you don't just believe the first report. God has something to say about that. In fact, if you go down to Isaiah 53, he says, He is wounded for our transgressions, believe, you know, chastised for our peace, and with his stripes we are healed. And there's times you just got to press in and believe God and, and, and claim his word and watch him show up because he knows how to take bad things and make them good. In fact, we love this passage in Romans 8, 29. We know, this is what he says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Wow. Now, I don't, you've probably heard that, and it's kind of easy to kind of glibly say that. You know, when, when something comes, somebody, you know, we know all things work together. You know, it's just easy. Your friends will try to tell you that, make you feel better. And it's like, it's oh, hard to believe right now. You know, when you're just in the middle of something, it's hard to believe that it's all going to work out, you know. You know, we watch all these movies and bad stuff happen. Somebody comes up, it's all going to be fine. Like, how in the world are you, based on what? But this is not just based on what. This is based on God. And, 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 and even if you, even if your calamity is something that you kind of made a bad call on, you made a bad choice, you made a bad decision, you, you, maybe you disobeyed God and you find yourself in a bad spot. Let me say, say something to you. God's plan B can be better than your plan A. For real. He is, that's who God is. He is omniscient, omnipotent, almighty. He knows the beginning from the end. And he can take something that maybe even wasn't his best plan, but he knows how to orchestrate and make it work out. You say that means we get to do what we want? No. Here's the conditions. Love him. The moment you stop and say, God, you know what? I don't know if I did this or you did this or the devil did this, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to love you right now. I'm going to put you first. And I'm committing not anymore to my purpose, but I'm committing to your purpose. You might have gotten into that bad spot because you were all about your purpose. And maybe you weren't about God's purpose. But the, here's the thing. When you stop and say, God, I'm going to be that person that loves you now. If you'll have me, I love you. And I'm going to go after you. And I want no more my purpose, but your purpose. God has a way of taking whatever's happened or is happening. And making it come out to your good. That's who our God. Can we just give him praise for that? That is who our God is. 
There's no substitute for having a relationship with this God. That's the first kind of forsaken. The first kind of forsaken is, is these conditions, these calamities. They're external. And they're, and they're hard. And they hurt. But there's a second kind. That can be just as hard, if not more. And that is a, a feeling of being like, where is God's presence? Where, I don't, you know, when I pray, it's like the heavens are brass. It's like, it's like I don't feel your presence and your love. And that, that's not a trial if you've never had a relationship with him. But it's a trial if you have. If he has become your life source, if he has become your strength, if you've been communing with God, and this is what I believe Jesus was experiencing. Yes, he was in some serious calamitous circumstances. He was dying a horrible death. But I don't believe that's what he was referring to. I believe he was referring to the second, which is, I've gone through some stuff before, Father, but I've always felt you were with me. And I don't feel your presence anymore. I think it caught him off guard. Like, where are you? I don't feel your sustaining spirit. I don't feel the peace I used to feel. I don't feel the, the presence of God. I don't feel the love of God. You know, you can go through anything. Guys, there's people in prison that are happier than people out here because they know the living God in their cell. And these people out here, all they have is money. And that's what Jesus has experienced. And, and I believe... Because, because I, here's why I say that. If you go through the book of John, for instance, just the book of John. John is the most intimate of the four Gospels. There are, Jesus makes, get this now, over 100 references to his Father. If you got around Jesus, here's what you heard. My Father, my Father, my Father, my Father, my Father, my Father. Have I told you about my Father? From, from beginning to end, his Father, his Father, his Father. Let me give you a couple. John 8, 29. He who sent me is with me. He's with me. This is his strength. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. John 10.30, I and my Father are one. You can go through all the Bible. You see, they were together in, in eternity past. They co-created the universe together. They had an intimate, powerful fellowship. The Trinity models this intimacy that he has called us into. He said, he prayed that, that, that we would be one as they are one. They are one. And yet, in this moment, there was this moment of being forsaken, this sense of feeling forsaken, that he said, where are you, God? I, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know how to handle this. And so I want to give you a couple of things that I think we can do. I, want, I don't want to say, <laughs> don't want to bum me out right now, but I don't want to say if this happens, but when this happens. Can I just say it like it is? Not if, but when. And I'll explain why I think... There's a win here for all of us, a W-H-E-N, not a W-I-N. The first thing when you feel forsaken is, is, is so simple we miss it, and that is asking. Asking. That's the power of a relationship with God. You get to talk to him, and he talks back. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That's one of the ways you know you're saved, that you... Hear God's voice. I know some of you grew up in a, a Christianity that act like God was from a distance watching you kind of thing, you know. 
and you just try to suck it up and live for him. Uh, but no, that's not Christianity at all. It's not just rules. It's a relationship. And, we, and in a relationship, people hang out. And they talk back and forth. They don't just throw things at God, hope something sticks, you know. <laughs> he talks back. In fact, the title of this message is Aim. This is, this is going to seem strange to some of you if you're very religious. Aim your hard questions at God, not man. That's the title of this message. And do you have enough faith to aim your hard questions at God? God is not offended at hard questions. Here's an example. You can see it all through the Psalms, but here's an example. Psalms 142.2, I pour out my complaint before it. And declare, I declare before him my trouble. I, this kind of shocked me. Like I could, I could go to God and complain. And God does not mind you complaining. If you'll quit talking eventually and listen. That's, don't just vent and walk away. And call that prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Many times humans cannot give us the answers we need. Only God. Psalms 29 tells us how powerful the voice of the Lord is. It's a good, a good chapter to read, Psalms 29, about all the things the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is not mere sentimentality. People can offer you sympathy and empathy, but God offers you guidance. And when God speaks to you, it empowers you. We are saved. We're told in John 5, we are saved when we hear the voice of God call us to himself and we respond. We are literally born again and spiritually resurrected at that instant. That's how powerful the voice of the Lord. The Holy Spirit attends to the voice of God. Many of you know our story. Some of you do not. Uh, we, we have a daughter who is with Jesus right now. And uh, she battled an eight-year uh, gastric problem she had severe gastro gastric she had something called gastroparesis and it took us to Johns Hopkins it took us to Mayo Clinic twice and she battled heroically and and was winning you know she was she was uh, gaining her weight back and getting her health back and everything looked great and then one morning she just was driving back from Dallas one cold December evening really on a wet road and hydroplaned into eternity. She instantly be with the Lord. She lost control of her car, head on to a truck. I was driving back from Austin. I came up on the accident. She was still in the car. And I, of course, was overcome and, and grief-stricken and embraced her. She looked peaceful. She had like a tiny little injury on her forehead. And the voice of the Lord was strong at that moment. He spoke very powerfully at that second that instant that I needed to hear him, he said, she has finished her race and I have taken her. And Rachel had just poured her life out in hospitals and with people in ways that I couldn't fully appreciate at that moment because I'm dad trying to save her, that's all. And, and he spoke very powerfully to me. And a, and, and a human being could not have empowered me at that moment. But God did. And like he had to tell me like five times. <laughs> I said, okay. And he said, no. And he just kept, and you know, I don't know about you, but when I've gone through some trials, he'll tell me something that'll empower me. And then I'll, then you kind of go out and face life and you go, really? 
Did you really say that? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm like Abraham going back about saving Sodom. <clears throat> Excuse me one more time. Could I ask? You know, could I just... <clears throat> I don't want to get you... You know, and he's never been impatient with me. I know, it's probably your story too. It's like he's never... I said, I said. Wait, and said he gets it. He gets how hard this is. He's not... He's not Maybe you had a dad that was impatient with you and didn't want to have time with it. That's not your father in heaven. And he, he said it over and over. And he, and he said, you know, like I need to release her. And then I, I had an hour drive back from, back from the accident to my house. And I had an open vision. I'm weeping. An open vision. And I saw thousands of college students coming to the Lord through this seed in the ground. And we saw that happen in the next year to two years. Really, I gave eight to ten years of that, uh, of myself to that ministry. Even while I was still the senior pastor here, we were pouring our life out for college students. We saw thousands come. I don't have time to tell you the stories and the miracles that happened. And I, you know, I spent seven days on my face after that incident. And the Lord spoke to me. All day long. I, I, he just kept telling me things. He kept explaining details and, and incidents about her life. And he explained this. And I'd feel guilty about this. Because when you, when you lose somebody, you, you feel guilty. Like, did I mess up? Did I, did I, what happened here? And he would just explain something. Like, did I, did I teach her enough about healing? Because she suffered for so long. Because I taught her healing. And, 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 and then I'd read a card. I'd find a card. Thank you, Dad, for teaching me about healing. You know. Just stuff like that. So the voice of the Lord gave me direction and guidance. And some of you, you may be in that place right now where you need to ask your hard questions to God. You need to, because if you don't resolve something like a, a calamity, if you just kind of stuff it, I'm just going to move on, it's going to be fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you don't really process that where you are trusting God about that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take over your life, possibly. So you need to have maybe some hard conversations. Tell me, Lord. Tell me, Lord. Tell me, Lord. Tell me what I need to know about this. What do you want to say to me, God? And so I will, I will always be grateful that God was right there at that second. And he, he, he speaks. We have a God who speaks. Amen? That's why we... I love the fact that we are in a church that believes in the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit because it's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. That's not the Trinity. We believe in the Bible and we judge everything by the Bible, but it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the first thing you do when you get body slammed and you say, where are you, God? Is you ask God. And you're going to find... Some of you are going to be surprised how willing God is to speak if you're not in the habit of doing this. The second thing, though, and this is the trial Jesus was going through, and this is a trial that we go through, and that is you ask him, but he doesn't seem to show up. These are, I think these are the exceptions, not the rule. I think most of the time we have a relationship with God, and he speaks to us, and we speak to him, and we worship, and we feel his presence, and you... You have a little dry spell, but you kind of get through it, you know. Like, I pray every morning. Some of my mornings are okay. Some of my mornings are amazing, you know. That's just life. It's like anything other, any other relationship. But there are times when you don't have the presence of God. I mean, it's dramatic 
how little of the presence you get. Like you're, you're in just a dry place. And here's the second thing I want to say. You lean, sometimes you have to lean on principle instead of presence. Sometimes you have to lean on who God is, who he is, and not just what he is doing or saying that you can easily see. Example of Jesus in the boat. The disciples, they're in a storm of their life, and they're freaking out. He had to say, well, he was there, but it was, it was like he wasn't there. He was asleep. And it's like he didn't care. And so they needed to stop and go, well, who? wait, whoa, Thomas, Philip, let's just chill for a minute. He's right there. I don't think the book of Mark is going to end with they all sank that day, Jesus and his disciples. Thus ends the gospel of Mark. That's what the word gospel means is good news. Thus ends the good news. They all died in the lake that day. Sometimes you just need to stop and realize who, who our God is. I mean, just process your fears. Get them out loud for a minute. You're not going to die. He's there, but you don't feel him. You don't see him. You're leaning on who he is. You have a history to lean on. You have the word of God. When you don't, sometimes when you don't have the voice, that's the way I like to put it, lean upon the verse. Even when you have the voice, make sure it's, it's confirmed by the verse, the Bible. But we, but God, it's good to have the voice. But when you don't have it, lean upon the verse. Let me give you a verse in Deuteronomy 8 that I think illustrates this. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble and test you. To, here's the key. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So there's a wilderness season for the people of God. And I believe there's a wilderness season for every child of God. Sorry. Now your wilderness can be 40 days or 40 years depending on you. They should have trusted God a lot earlier than they did. The wilderness season is when everything's dry. There's no presence. Diana laughs because we talk about, you know, we've been through a few and she was, I don't remember this, but she remembers, but it's like I was saying, God, hello, this is Chuck Warnock. I live at 17 Amity Lane, Rockwell, Texas. Just not sure you've forgotten my address. You talk like that to God? He's my best friend. You bet I do. That's what a wilderness is. A wilderness is like, what's going on? Where's your presence? Where's your leading? Where's your guidance? This is, it can be in circumstances, but it all can be in just like, I don't feel the, this presence. So what's God up to? What's God up to? God is saying, I want to know if you'll lean on who I am when you don't feel my presence. I want to know if you're just going to obey me because you love me. I want to develop some things inside of you. That's what tests you. They develop you in certain areas. I believe, I was just looking at this this week, preparing for this message. And I believe, and this has been true of our life, that wildernesses are on the front end of your next promised land. 
if you're in a wilderness right now, you need to, you need to get excited about that. Because the promised land, listen now, the promised land is always worth the wilderness. Every single time. But can God trust you with more of whatever? Responsibility, resources, influence. Can he trust you? And sometimes I teach you things, I love on you, pour my life into you. Now I'm going to back off. See if you got it. See if you'll do it. When no one's looking, we're not getting a lot of pats on the back right now. Are you going to still do this? Can I trust you? I want to see with, you know, when God says, I want to know what's in your heart, what he really means is, I want you to know what's in your heart. <laughs> I want you to know you and, and, and you to become a person that you like. If I can just sum up what God's entire history with us is about, is I'm trying to make you a person that you'll like. Because if you like you, everybody else is going to like you. And life's going to be good. So the second, that's the second kind of wilderness, is that, will you keep my word? And I remember the very first wilderness I went through, and I think this will help some of you guys. Like, I wasn't feeling God. Everybody, you know, I was still in college. We were in the middle of a revival. And everybody was getting revived but me. I mean, I'd go to a prayer room, and everybody's praying, and they're, like, getting visions and dreams. I'm like, God's moved somewhere where I'm not. And I, I had no idea what that was all about. And I said, I don't know. I'm not getting anything from you, Lord. But this verse came to mind, 2 Timothy 1.12. Paul said this, For I know, I know, not, not feel, know, whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Are you living for that day right now? If you live for that day, listen to me, you can get through this day every single time. If you start living for that day, you'll make it through this day. And when you don't feel it, you still know what you believe. Amen. So I want us to stand. I want us to pray. Because I, I just feel like there's some people here on both campuses. If you're at home in your living room, you can stand. Nobody's looking. I have no doubt that there's people right now at either campus who are going through some possibly some very challenging moments. And I also have no doubt that God, even today, has spoken some things to you. And, and He wants you to take hold of them. And here's the first thing. The first question to answer is, do you know Him? If you're here today, if you're hearing my voice, and you don't have this history with God, this relationship with God. Can I just say, in love, you don't have any way to deal with this stuff. I was telling, you know, I tell people that have lost loved ones, go ask God, what do you want to say to me? And I told this to a lady once. She'd lost her husband earlier than she thought she would have lost him. And she said, well, I asked him, and he didn't say anything. He hadn't said, no, he, she said, he hadn't said anything to me. I was telling her how God spoke to me and how it empowered me. I was trying to encourage her. He said, he hadn't said anything to me. And I got to looking at this lady. I, got to, I knew her over a period of time. And she has, she's just an angry, bitter woman. And I realized she didn't know him. She did not know him. And, and you have to know him for him to speak to you. 
And if you're not sure of where you are, if you don't have this living relationship with God, what you need to respond to is God calling you to come to Him. That's your next step. Don't ask Him to fix all this other stuff if you don't have this relationship with Him. Because He can't fix that till He fixes you. So come to that relationship. Our prayer team is going to come down here in just a minute. And if there's any doubt, listen, there's no, we're glad you're here. God's not, we're not trying to expose or highlight anybody. But we, I desperately, desperately, desperately want you to have this life-giving relationship with Him. Because if, if, if what you've heard me share with you, if I can go through that with Him, I promise you, you can go through just about anything. It's harder for most people to hear me share that than it is for me to share it. Because He empowered me in that moment. Still is, and my wife. So our team's going to come down here in a minute. If you don't know Him, if you're not sure, then you need to come and let somebody pray with you. But if you're here today, and you know Him, and yet you find yourself in a situation, and if you don't find it in this situation today, you're going to find it at some point in your future. There'll be another wilderness to go through, some dry season to walk it out where there's a part of you that said, where are you God? Where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And God may be stepping back and going, are you going to say no matter what? I hope you show up God but if you don't no matter what I'm yours no matter what I'm yours God. This isn't this isn't a negotiation this isn't do this or I won't follow you have you come to that point yet have you come to the point where you say I know whom I have believed I know I know it's a settled issue I'm not going anywhere God if you've come to that place I want you to worship him for his steadfastness let's just give him praise this morning God we praise you and we thank you. I want you to declare to him, I know, I know you, God. I know whom I believe, and I put my faith in you. No matter what, I'm not going anywhere. Amen? All right. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.